The Beat Church, bringing you messages of inspiration, hope, and freedom. Turn up the volume and get ready for the truth that will set you free. Before we start, uh, this is 2022. Isn't that amazing? Out of 2021 into 2022, I'm not sure why I'm thumping, David, but I got a thump going on in my mic. Uh, I know you guys have some big plans for 2022. How many of you guys had something amazing happen in 2021 that you weren't expecting? Something that was awesome that you didn't expect? Yeah, how many of you guys had something that was tragic in 2021 that you didn't expect happen, something that was sad and tragic, right? It's going to be a mix of everything, right? There always is every year. There's a little bit of good. There's a little bit of bad. Aren't we, aren't we grateful that we serve a God that works all things together for our good? Literally all things, he has a way of working them out for our good and bringing benefit out of them, no matter what happens, which means we can look forward to 2022 knowing that good is coming out of it. That good is ahead. We don't have to be afraid. We don't have to be nervous. We don't have to be worried. We don't have to be stressed. We can actually just walk into the new year believing that God is coming to do something good for us. Amen. Let's pray. We're going to jump into the word. And David, I've still got a, I don't know if everybody else can hear it, but I've still got a regular beating going on in here like a drum. So is there something that can be turned off or down besides this? All right, Father, we just pray, Lord, for your, uh, just to be with us, God, and that you'd be uh, able to, Lord, help us to understand your word today, Lord, get everything out of it that we should, Lord, for the benefit of our own lives, God, and also for the benefit of the lives of others, Lord, we thank you for it in Jesus' name, amen. All right, we're going to jump into uh, this topic, but first, uh, before we get in there, uh, did we get the uh, Bible reading plan? code up there today? I don't think we did. Can you get that screen up real fast for the Bible reading code? Uh, if you guys take your phones out and want to scan that, that's for our Bible reading plan that's coming up. Uh, this next, this one is actually a two-week one, so jump on it. Uh, if you haven't been doing that, jump on, share, uh, talk to everybody, you know, kind of put comments in there about what you're reading, about what God's been speaking to you, and I think you're just going to get a lot of benefit out of it. This one is on uh, living a restful life. Uh, it's not about sleeping, it's not about napping, it's not about uh, snoring, but it is about actually just living. You can be productive and be restful at the same time, and this is what it's about, so I encourage you to be on that, and the other announcement that I personally wanted to make was in two weeks, so on January 15th is men's breakfast, but we're actually just going to make it a serving breakfast, and everyone's invited. We're going to have breakfast at 8 o'clock. And then we are going to go over to Jails to Jobs right here across from us, and we're going to clean up Jails to Jobs property for them as just a surprise blessing, just to serve them. Uh, to serve the community over there, and we're going to clear out all of their leaves. We're going to trim on their trees. We're going to fix. They have a couple of broken fences where the gates are actually breaking off uh, just from the wind and everything. So everyone's welcome to come. We're just going to make it look amazing and just really uh, take care of all those needs for them so they don't have to stress about it. I know Eddie, who runs uh, Jails to Jobs, they got him working several different uh, Jails to Jobs houses right now. They're even working on opening one in another city, and he's kind of charge over that. So he's running like crazy. So uh, they're a huge blessing to our city. They're a huge blessing to our church, and we want to give back. So 8 o'clock's breakfast, and then we're going to go over there and work. And the good news is it's supposed to be 50 degrees. I looked at the 14-day forecast. It's supposed to be 50 degrees, so dress, you know, for warm. Uh, it'll be 25 degrees. That's, uh, what, 50% or however you do the math, not 100% uh, more uh, warm than it is today. So maybe wear flip-flops and shorts, but bring some work gloves because it's going to be toasty 50 degrees, and we're all going to clean that place up together. It's going to be awesome. But we're going to do tree trimming, bushwhacking. I call it bushwhacking because I grew up as a landscaper, so we didn't call it something more fancy, whatever it's supposed to be called. We just called it bushwhacking. Uh, we're going to do some uh, weed pulling, although this is weak pulling. And I know some of you, if you're not used to working outside, it might be weak pulling. You might throw something in your back and end up out for a week. Uh, but just come and work. Uh, raking, fence repairs. Uh, somebody besides me will need to do that. I can't be trusted with a drill. I've been... There's a handicap sign out here with a metal pole, and you put the sign on it, 
And it's been there for a couple of months. It always falls down and goes up. And I keep trying to drill it. And I've pulled out different bits. I'm trying to drill it. And it won't drill through the metal. And so Josh, uh, who's over with the kids today, I said, dude, I need to buy a metal drill that will drill metal so I can fix this handicap sign that always falls down to the bottom. And he goes, you have a metal drill bit. I said, no, I don't. I've tried it. He walks in. He looks through the thing. He goes, this is a metal drill bit. I like, I haven't deal. We need like a hardened bit. That stuff is hard. And he's like, no, you just used the wrong bit. So we walked out there, bit, screw goes in, done. Okay. <laughs> so we need somebody to help fix fences that's not named Andy Elliott, praise God, and some lawn mowing. So we're going to clean that place up and make it amazing. All right, let's get into the word. 2022 New Year's resolutions. Who has them? Who's made a New Year's resolution this year? Who's broken a New Year's resolution this year? <laughs> right? We're only like two days in. Okay, so we are wired for resolutions. This is Genesis chapter 1, 27 to 28. The reason that we're wired for resolutions is because we are wired to do greater things than we are doing. That doesn't mean that you're a loser and that you're not doing enough. It just simply means that you're living below what God has for you. Well, how do I know that? Because we all are. I am included in that. We are all living below what God created us for because we live in a fallen world and we're struggling through sin we're struggling through the things around us we're struggling through our own weaknesses and we're trying to grow to become more like Christ become more like what God intended us to be the Bible says the path of the just grows brighter and brighter why because we're not at our full brightness so we are living just always at a little bit less than where we could go because there's room to grow in God there's always room to advance to to actually uh, become better in how we live better and how we serve in order to just grow and change. Like God has room for us to do that, but this is what we originally were created for. And this is why sometimes we, we live with an anxiety that, oh, I'm just not quite doing all I could or should. I, I wish I could be better. I wish I could do a little more. And that can become a burden and it can become a real negative thing. It can become discouraging and it's not intended to be. And hopefully today I'm gonna help put some of that to rest because we can do more We can do greater things without actually killing ourselves and putting in so much extra work and stress. I believe there's a way for us to do that. But Genesis 1, 27 to 28 says, God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. So when he's talking about man, he's talking about humanity. And he says, male and female, he created them. And God blessed them and he said to them, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. Okay. We've all grown up and had parents. If your parents said, hey, I need you to do the dishes, uh, take out the trash, right? How many of you as kids would be like, okay. They say, oh, and clean the bathroom. Oh, and then mow the lawn. Oh, and by the way, the gutters need cleaned, right? They're like starting to listen. At what point do you start to go, okay, that's like a little much, right? Depends on how you were raised, right? Some of you are like, well, that's nothing. Some are like, oh my gosh, you mean more than just clean my own bedroom? It just depends on where you're at. Okay, well, God gives the earth to Adam and Eve, and then he says what? Fill this whole place, subdue it, multiply, like take care of this whole entire planet. That's a pretty big job, right? But he gave it to them, not because it was just gonna be something that was impossible. He gave it to them because he believed it was something that he had made them for, something that they could do way beyond their capability. But we as humans were made to multiply, fill the earth, and subdue it. We were made to do some really big, big things. And so we wake up in the morning, we feel like, man, I got to get something done. Man, I got to do something. Some of us more than others. Some of us are like in the middle of the night thinking like, what can we do? My wife used to wait till I fell asleep. She probably still does, but I'm asleep, so I don't know. I need cameras. I need to get my ring doorbell, put it inside. I need to reverse it on the inside so I can see what's going on in my house. But for years, when we were first married, I would wake up in the morning, and the house was perfect. And I'd go about my day, and the next day I'd wake up, and the house is perfect. Wake up the next day, go about the house is perfect. It didn't dawn on me until years later that when I went to bed, it wasn't perfect. It was a mess. There was dishes in the sink. Food wasn't put away. My bedroom wasn't clean. Like all these things were in my house were like a certain way when I went to bed. And literally, I was so oblivious that I'd wake up in the morning and come down and the house is perfect. His mercies are new every morning. Because we went to bed together 
And I woke up and it was all perfect. It's the weirdest thing. And I realized years later, literally, that's the worst husband ever, right? Years later, that she would wait till I fell asleep and then wake up and then not wake me up, but get up and then go around and do all this stuff and then come back to bed because she couldn't sleep like that. And I had no idea. Like, I could have slept in it. I grew up like that. Like, our house was a chaos mess of a disaster. I'd go to bed, I'm just like, this is normal. But she would have to get up and go fix it all. And I was asleep, and I wake up. And I'm like, wow, things look great. Sleeping does a lot of good. <laughs> Every day I wake up, and the house is like, reset. Start over. It's awesome. I also thought I had a magic camper, because I throw my stuff in there, and then it appears back in my drawer. It was awesome. This is very chauvinistic. People don't live like that anymore. They actually live sharing responsibilities and stuff, which we do now. It's amazing. We're so fantastic at sharing home responsibilities. Anyways, total sidetrack on my life. We try some of us cannot stop working, and some of us struggle to get started working. That's why Starbucks is such a big, big company, because some of us need a little extra juice. But we were made to do great things. But here's what happens. We get up in the morning, and we oftentimes, no matter who we are, we'll feel like, man, I should be doing a little more. I wish I could accomplish a little bit more. I wish that things were going a little better. And so we make these New Year's resolutions. So Strava, which I'm a part of now, thanks to uh, Matt Myers, and, uh, who is fitness um, torturer extraordinaire, who likes to put people through all kinds of problems and pains, has got me started doing some level of fitness, which when I say that, when I mean some level, I emphasize the word some. Um, there's some level of fitness going on with me now. And so Strava did this whole thing. They tracked 800 million actual activities of their New Year's uh, resolutions of their customers, which they do through the app. And they can actually tell. It's not like, it's not a questionnaire survey. It's an actual, it tracks you. Like when you're walking around, it's like tracking you. Like it knows what you're doing. So this isn't like, you know, oh, we surveyed people and they lied to us. No, this is like, they lied to us and then we actually tracked them. So now we know the truth. So 800 million activities where people made New Year's resolutions and to see, did they follow through? Did they do this? 80% of the people quit their New Year's resolutions by January 19th. January 19th. I said, I'm changing my life. I will never eat sugar again. Oh, is that a cupcake? Wow. That's it. I'm getting up at 5 a.m. Meep, meep, meep. That didn't last. I got a job once delivering newspapers. I went to two nights of training. Did you know you have to deliver newspapers back when they used to have newspapers in the middle of the night because people want them in the morning? So my first night, two nights of training, my first night of actual real newspaper delivery where I'm in charge and I deliver like hundreds of newspapers to all these homes. I woke up, pulled out my video camera, pointed at my face. It was 1230 at night, sitting in my apartment, pointed at my face and I said, hi, my name is Andy Elliott. This is my first night as a newspaper deliverer. This is my last night. I'm going back to bed. I turned off the phone and I went to bed. Now, I was young. <laughs> this is one of the things I needed the cross for. I needed the grace of Jesus. <laughs> it was a camcorder, but people don't know what that is. That's why I didn't say it. It was a camcorder. <laughs> one of those little VHS camcorders. They used to have those. And I recorded myself, and then I just turned it off, and I put it back, and I went to sleep. So nobody got their newspaper that day. I couldn't do it. So I quit. But a lot of times we have these great ideas of things we're going to do, and then we quit because we're going to try so hard to make such a big difference, and then we stop. But that's not just in, in health and fitness and those types of things. I mean, we do that in relationships. We do that in our walk with the Lord. We do that in all kinds of areas. We're going to put in all this extra effort. We're going to make all this different impact. We're going to be better people. I'm going to have less anger. I'm going to be more peaceful, more cuddly, be more of a hugger. I'm going to be more of this. I'm going to be more of that. I want to take care of my finances. We have all these things. And you start thinking about it. You're like, wow, there's a lot of things that I need to improve on. How do I even survive this long, being me? Well, God doesn't want us to live at a constant place of stress or anxiety. He wants us to live in a place of peace. And yet also in a place of improvement where our lives are getting better. And we are doing more things for him and for others. So what happens to most resolutions? Well, people have quit. How many of you have had the same resolutions for more than one year in a row. Anybody? It's like, I've been having the same resolutions for 10 years. Now I don't want to actually complete it because it would ruin the whole tradition. 
right? Like every January 1st, I make this new thing and then I don't do it. And that's like become a part of my life. If I did it, I'd have to change and that wouldn't be no good. We do them over and over again. So the common results here is fatigue, failure, frustration. That's what happens. Put all of our effort into something and then it just burns out. It just fizzles out. It's over. It's like, forget it. Okay, so does that mean that we're not supposed to make changes? Does that mean that we're not supposed to maybe get better finances? Maybe we're not supposed to have less anger. Maybe we're not supposed to have a better family life. Maybe our marriage isn't supposed to improve. But, you know, just forget it all. Just let it all go to pot because I don't do New Year's resolutions. I'm just resting. Well, it doesn't mean that because the Bible talks to us a lot about working. It talks a lot about getting things done. We're supposed to be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. Whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all of your might, the Bible says. And so there is an element of work. There's an element of putting in the time. There's an element of getting things done that God wants us to do. It's just that there's a way that he wants us to do it. And so God's design, Genesis 2, 1 through 3, includes rest built into the actual design of how we're supposed to be made, and how we're supposed to be wired. This, thus the heavens and the earth were finished and all the hosts of them. And on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done and he rested on the seventh day from all of his work that he had done. Do you think God actually needed to go to sleep? I mean, God who created everything, all sufficient, all sustaining, all powerful, do you think he really needed rest? No, so why did he do it? He did it for us. He modeled it for us because he's like, you know, this is what I can do, but you know what, you're gonna need rest. Okay. I take a nap with my two-and-a-half-year-old. It lasts about 15 minutes for me, and it lasts about two hours for her when she takes one, which isn't very often. But I'll go lay down because we're both taking a nap. Let's rest. When she falls asleep, I'm up. Going about my day. God rested to show us and to model to us that, hey, you can rest. You don't have to do everything all the time. Take a break. Rest. Slow down. He also did it to enjoy. Because if you actually read through creation, right, it's like, okay, he makes the plants and everything, and then what does it do? He stops and he says, wow, that's good. Then he goes ahead and he separates the water from the heavens. And he does these things, and he goes, wow, this is good. Then he makes man, and he says, oh, this is good. And he stops along the way, and each time he says, do you know what? Wow, this is good, and he enjoys it. And then at the end of it all, he rests and says, wow, this is all very good. I'm going to just rest. I'm going to just enjoy it. So part of getting great things done is to also stop and enjoy the process and enjoy the things along the way that are happening. Before pastoring, I spent a lot of years in business, and I was around so many business people that built great, amazing businesses, only to have everything fall apart. Because along the way, they never actually enjoyed their marriage. They never actually enjoyed their kids. They never actually enjoyed their life. They just constantly got everything done and added more and more and more and more with no enjoyment, no rest. But God's design is for us to get things done, but then also to enjoy and to rest in life as we go through. And to find this place where we can do this, uh, we can do both, we can have this ability to fully invest ourselves, whatever your hand finds to do, do it wholeheartedly as under the Lord, which includes resting and enjoying, letting go. Saying, okay, God, I'm gonna give this to you, and I'm going to rest. Exodus 5, 4 through 9, here's what happens when we get too busy. Here's what happens when we have too much going on. Here's what happens when we don't allow ourselves any room to rest or any room to enjoy. This is Exodus. This is Moses coming back, and he's trying to set the Israelites free from their slavery, and he talks to Pharaoh, and he's saying, you know what? Why don't you let the people go? We're going to go out, and we're going to worship God, and we're just going to Go out into the wilderness and spend some time worshiping the Lord. And this is what it says. Moses and Aaron, why do you take the people away from their work? Get back to your burdens. And Pharaoh said, behold, the people of the land are now many, and you make them rest from their burdens. So this is their, this is their ruler saying, you know, why are you stopping people? They're working. They're under burden. Leave them there. And it wasn't just because he wanted stuff done. But listen, this is why he had them under burdens. The same day Pharaoh commanded the taskmasters of the people and their foremen. He says, you shall no longer give the people straw to make bricks, as in the past, but let them go gather straw for themselves. But the number of bricks that they made in the past, you shall impose on them. You shall by no means reduce it, for they are idle. So in other words, what he's saying is, they used to just, you brought them everything, all the straw and hay, and then they made the bricks. But now he's saying, go get the bricks, go get all the supplies themselves and make it. So they have to do double the work, right? Why? Because they're idle. But here's the problem with them being idle. 
He says, because they're idle, they cry, let us go and offer sacrifices to our God. So let heavier work be laid on men that they may labor at it and pay no regard to lying words. Or other translations say to these uh, false ideas. So in other words, he says, do you know what? They're getting too much spare time. They need to be busier so they'll stop talking about going out and worshiping God. That's his whole point of what he was doing. Because they were talking about going out into the wilderness to take some time to worship God together. And he says, you know, they got too much free time. Stop. Give them more to do, more to do, more to do. Then they'll forget about that. They'll forget about these worthless lies of, of worshiping God. They'll forget about these ideas of spending time with God. Now, as a pastor, I can just tell you, I talk to so many people who say, well, what's your devotional life like? Do you have any time in prayer? Do you have any time in the Word? Do you have any time in... And the most common answer is no, I don't. Why? Well, I'm too busy. I have to do it on the go. I have to do it while I'm doing this, or I have to do it while I'm doing that. I have to do it while I'm doing this. I have to do it while I'm doing that. Have you ever spent time with somebody who was busy doing something else? Did you enjoy it? I mean, there's no trick question here. This is just a real question. Have you ever spent time with somebody that you really deeply cared about and they were busy doing something else? Think about it. Did you enjoy it? Was it fulfilling? Was it all that you hoped that it would be? Hey, let's go spend some time together. Let's go to dinner. And they're on their phone the whole time. Or hey, let's go do this. And they're busy working. Okay, well, you can work alongside me, but I got this going on so we can talk while I work. Anybody ever had that? Can it be done? Yes. Can you have a relationship while working? Yes. For me, it's not. And so in this situation, all of these people underneath their burdens, they can still pray. They can still talk to God. They can still do all those things. But when they were wanting to actually pull aside and actually just spend some time, Pharaoh said, you know what? Stop. We don't want them doing that. Let's make them busier. Isn't our world busy? Isn't there always something going on? Isn't there always an activity? Do you think that maybe the reason that we feel oftentimes so tired, so worn out, so frazzled, stressed, anxious, well, how do you know if I ever feel that way? Maybe you don't. Statistically speaking, these things are shooting through the roof in our society. You think maybe it's because we're so busy we're so plugged in, and that if we unplugged a little bit and pulled back and actually said, you know what, what, I want to rest just a little bit and just spend time with you, that God would actually honor that and use it to fill us back up, that we could actually accomplish. Well, now that's a faith thing and a trust thing to take time and set it aside and say, all right, Lord, I'm going to come sit. And do you know what? It's also an awkward thing because if you haven't been out with somebody much and spent just one-on-one time with somebody, it can be weird to go spend one-on-one time with them because you don't even know what to talk about. It can be awkward to go spend time with the Lord and just say, you know, I'm unplugging from everything. I'm shutting everything off. I'm turning off my headphones. I'm turning off everything. And I'm just going to go spend a little bit of time with the Lord. And you go sit there and you're like, okay, now what? I don't even know what to pray about or talk about. Plus, I'm falling asleep right now. All those things are true. But it's in the waiting, it's in the stillness that if we sit long enough, that God actually begins to speak to us because our own mind starts to turn off. Our own emotions start to turn off. All the busyness and frazzleness of the world starts to turn off. We're just sitting there, we're like, okay, I'm falling asleep, I'm falling asleep, I don't know what's going on, Lord, this is really boring. Like, I'd like to spend time with you, but you need to be more fun, more entertaining, like something, come on, stimulate me. We're sitting there and pretty soon we just start to calm down. We're sitting there and all of a sudden he just starts to speak to us. Next thing you know, you're getting encouraged or you're crying or you're something and then you're like, oh. And it starts to change you from the inside because you're, now look, but we're 2022 Christians. This is old school stuff to unplug, to sit down, to spend time. We're We're in modern times. We're busy people. We're on the move. We're on the go. It's the same design of the enemy to steal away our time of actually sitting with our maker and just receiving from him. And so amongst all of our resolutions, 
talked last week about resolutions, is that if we can take time as followers of Jesus to say, hold on, I'm going to rest. doesn't mean not do anything, but I'm going to go sit and be with my maker and let him talk to me, allow him to speak to me. In the silence, in the stillness, in the awkwardness, allow him to know me. And for me to know him, I believe that we actually get more stuff done that matters. More stuff of significance, not just busy stuff, but more of what he's made us for, which means more fulfillment. I didn't just get a lot done, I got the right things done. God actually moved in me to do the right things. Not all of the stuff, but the right stuff. The stuff that he wanted done, the stuff that matters. I might be sitting there and I have all these things in my mind. I'm sitting there in the stillness. And he says, you know what? Why don't you go sit with your, why don't you go sit with your kid for a while in their room? Well, that's not very productive. Next thing you know, a beautiful conversation opens up. And you touch their lives. Why don't you call this person and go spend some time with them? Well, I wasn't even thinking about that. But now I'm sitting with you. I am. And you go spend time and all of a sudden it just starts to open up something in their life or it brings change. Or maybe it gives you a business idea that you didn't have before. I had a friend in Vancouver that was a, a friend for years in one of our small groups, and he was an engineer, a really smart engineer. I think all the engineers are smart. That's part that comes with a job. And so there he is, and he had this idea in his head for how to build this interlocking foundational system so you could just quickly lock something in place and put up like a cell phone tower and stuff. But he couldn't quite get the math to work, to lock to where the thing would lock and then hold the weight and all the tension and everything. He couldn't quite get it right. He spent months and months staying up till 2, 3 in the morning, working out equations and doing all this stuff, trying to get it right. Because he figured if I could do this, I mean, they could use it on railroad tracks. They could do all these things. This thing would be a million-dollar idea. If I could just do it. And he couldn't sleep because he kept staying up to work on it. And his wife told him one time, he says, why don't you ask God? Like, he could help you. He's like, no, nah, no, nah, I love God, but I got to work this out right now. I'm busy. He did that for months and months and months. And then one day, he's there. It's the middle of the night, and he's exhausted, and he's tired, and he just finally says, you know what? Fine, forget it. Sets it down, and he says, Lord, I need your help. This is a true story. His name's Daniel, Daniel Stark. And he goes to bed, lays down, says, Lord, it's yours. If you want me to do it, you can help me. Puts his head on his pillow, closes his eyes, starts to fall asleep. All of a sudden, clearly sees a picture in his mind of the right equation, pops up, runs downstairs, turns on his computers or whatever, starts running all the stuff, and it totally works. Next thing you know, he's selling it to railroad companies and everything. Tons of money coming in, changed his whole life. Why? Because he just stopped. Doesn't mean we're all going to get rich and design railroad stuff. Everybody's like, okay, I'm going to spend time with the Lord, and I'm laying on my pillow. What's happening? But that's what God made him for. God made him to be an engineer. God made him to accomplish some of these things. And when he sits down with the one that made him, he explains to him how to do some of the things he made him for, and he works with him to accomplish those things. What did God make you for? Whatever he made you for, if you'll spend time with him, he's going to help you understand how to do what he's called you to do. Maybe he called you and made you to be a counselor. But you know, the Holy Spirit is our counselor. He's the ultimate counselor. And if you spend time with him, he can actually show you how to be a better counselor and have more accomplished with the people that you're connected to. Whatever it is he's called you to, he wants to work with you to do it. But it's spending that time. And so here, Pharaoh tried to get all the people too busy to spend time with God. Exodus 20, 8 through 11. So when God gives us 10 commandments, people were, you would think people want to rest, but people were so adverse to rest. God says, you know what? Don't kill each other. Don't commit adultery and cover your, your neighbor's wife. Don't steal from each other. But amidst all these other commandments, he throws this one in. Rest. Like literally had to command, stop. Take a day off. We all say, man, I wish I had more time off. No, you don't. Not most of you. Because when we get time off, what do we do with it? We just fill it with more busyness. And so God literally had to make it one of, he only had 10 commandments. The God of the universe said, what's the 10 important things I need these humans to get? And one of those things was stop. I mean, think of all the things he could command us to do. One of the things he wanted to get is, look, they're not going to take a break and stop unless I just tell them. Boom, this is a law. Do it. 
Stop, rest, take a break. So here it is. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But on the seventh day, the six days, go ahead, knock yourself out. Work as hard as you want. On the seventh day, stop. Quit. Quit working, quit doing stuff. I was shocked when I moved to Texas and car dealerships were closed on Sunday. My goodness, Texas is like in its own little vortex over here. Like Sabbath day, like it's partially honored. I was frustrated the first year I lived here because I kept saying, hey, let's go to Chick-fil-A. We literally drove to Chick-fil-A multiple times after church, sat in the parking lot and go, they're closed. What is this nonsense? Oh, it's the Sabbath day. Seventh day is the Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall, do, you shall not do what? Any work. You or your son or your daughter, your male servant, or your female servant, or your livestock, or the sojourners who are within your gates. For in six days the Lord made the heavens, the earth, the sea, and all that's in them, and he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Well, yeah, that's because God wanted us to spend a whole day just saying that he's awesome. Just sitting around as worshiping God, honoring God, okay, all day long on the Sabbath day. That's all we're supposed to do. Well, Jesus affirms the Sabbath, and this is what he says about it. Mark chapter 2, 27, 28, he says to them, this is Jesus, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. In other words, Jesus is saying he's in the middle of this conversation with some religious leaders who are on him for uh, trying to heal somebody and help somebody on the Sabbath and do something good on the Sabbath. And he says, stop. The Sabbath was made for man. The Sabbath was a gift. It was given to man. God did it in the form of a law because we wouldn't listen. And we wouldn't rest, even though he modeled it and showed us. We still wouldn't do it. But he gave it then as a, as a law, but a law that was a gift. So that we would stop and breathe. Stop and receive from him. His goodness and enjoy the life that he's given us. Stop and enjoy each other. Stop and enjoy life. Stop and, and get filled back up and be encouraged. And he gave it to us. Now, it's talking about, we're talking about work and times, but you know in the Bible, everything that, that's practical and like hands-on has a spiritual implication to it. That's why God does these things. He shows us, talks about in Romans, that all the invisible attributes of God are made known by the things he's made. In other words, God makes things that we can see and touch so that we can understand things that we can't, right? So here's the practical. The practical thing that God's giving us is this. Okay, this is you working. Stop on this day and rest. That's practical hands-on. I can't go out and work today because I'm supposed to rest. The invisible thing he's trying to show us is that we don't always have to strive for the goodness of God to be happening in our lives. We don't always have to be striving. We don't always have to be working. That we can actually stop and rest and trust God. That if we're not always at work, if we're not always busy, that things don't just fall apart. That on the seventh day we can rest because God's in control. Well, that doesn't just apply to work. That applies to a lot of things. Well, I don't, know how to, I don't know how to fix this relationship. Well, do you know what? You don't have to strive every single day to try to fix it. There is a certain point where you can just say, Lord, I've done what I can do. The rest is yours. I'm going to take a break. Lord, it's, I'm just giving it to you. I've worked as hard as I can. I've worked two jobs. I've done all this stuff for my finances. I don't know how to fix it. Do you know There's a place where you've done your work, and you can just stop. And just say, Lord, I've done all the work that I can. You promised, Lord, that you'll supply all of my needs. I don't have to worry about what I'll eat or drink or what I'll wear, so I'm just going to trust you. I've done the work, and now I'm going to rest. Lord, I have tried to deal with my anger. I've tried to deal with my insecurity. I've tried to deal with my fear. You know what? I've tried to deal with my health. For like the 15th year in a row, I'm saying I'm going to lose weight, get in shape, and do this and that, and every year I don't. Lord, there's got to be something else going on inside of me that causes me to always make the wrong choice. And I don't know how to fix it. What drives me to do this? I know it's harmful. I know it's not how I should live. I know this is the right way to live. I know these are the things I should do, and I don't do them. So, Lord, I'm trying as hard as I can. I've worked as much as I can. I've put in my six days. Now, on the seventh day, Lord, I'm just saying, do you know what? Help me. The Bible says it's he, God, that works in us both to will and to do according to his good pleasure. He who began a good work in us will be faithful to complete it. Lord, I just need your help. 
I know I'm not supposed to be depressed, but I keep waking up depressed. And I've read all the books, and I've done all the stuff, and I've done all the chants, and I've sat in the quiet, and I've done this, and I've done Lord, I just need your help. I've researched the foods. I'm trying to eat the right foods. They're supposed to make me more happy. I'm taking all the right pills. I'm doing all the right stuff, but Lord, I'm still frustrated. Okay. Now I can just rest. Lord, I've done it. And that he wants to be our provider. He wants to take care of us. He wants to watch over us. This is David, a man after God's own heart. Psalms 127. Unless the Lord builds a house, the builders labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the guards stand watch in vain. In vain you rise up early. Now, pause for a second. The Bible says that David is a man after God's own heart. Out of the abundance of the heart, what? The mouth speaks. So when you're looking at somebody who this is a person that is after God's own heart, then what he's speaking is out of the abundance of God's heart, right? So he's saying what God would say, what God wants to say to us. Does that make sense? So what is God saying? Out of the abundance of this man who has God's heart, here comes the words. Unless the Lord builds a house. Let's just put it in in first person. Unless I build your house. God speaking out of David's heart. Unless I build your house, you're laboring in vain. Well, I'm not building a house. So I guess I'm clear. Do you know that the Bible calls us the temple of the Holy Spirit? In effect, you are literally like the house of God. So unless the Lord builds you, unless the Lord builds your life, unless the Lord builds your emotions, unless the Lord builds your mind, unless the Lord builds your character, unless the Lord builds you, that's also talking about the house is the church. This is the house of the Lord. It's talking about your home as a family. The place that you live, the place that you find shelter, the place that you exist, the place where your being happens, unless the Lord builds that, you labor in vain. New Year's resolutions aren't going to change it. Is it good to have goals? Yes, it is. But unless the Lord builds your family, unless the Lord builds your mind, unless the Lord builds your spirit, unless he's involved intimately in the working and the building and the details of everything going on there, it's in vain. How can somebody who doesn't know how to fix something be the one to fix it? Part of the reason that we have the struggles that we have is because we are who we are. I had a lot of insecurities and fear. I can teach myself how to be brave and overcome my insecurities. I was the one that was insecure and afraid. I had to go outside of myself to find that. I had to go out to the one that made me. Perfect love casts out fear. I had to learn about love so he could teach me how to cast that out and how to live differently. But unless the Lord builds the house, you labor in vain that build it. Unless he watches over your city. How many of you worry, stress, have anxiety? Is my family going to be okay? Is my life going to be okay? Is my finances going to be okay? Is my health going to be okay? I have all these things to watch over and to guard. Do you know what? If the Lord isn't guarding you, you're in trouble anyway. But if the Lord is guarding you, what are you worried about? He's guarding you. The God of the universe is watching over your life watching over your family, watching over your provision, watching over your health, watching over your emotions, watching over your life, watching over your kids, watching over your parents. Now here's a part that ties into even more of our our earthly way of doing things. In vain you rise early and stay up late, toiling for food to eat, for he grants sleep to those he loves. Do you believe God loves you? So then he's talking about you. He grants sleep to you. He grants rest to you. Why? Because he loves you. I was reading a book about shepherding. There's an actual real shepherd, right? Wrote a book on Psalms 23, which is the Lord's my shepherd, but he wrote a whole book on it from a shepherd's point of view as a real shepherd. And he said that, did you know a sheep can go several months without drinking any water? If they get up early and they eat the grass while it still has dew on it. That literally, you don't have to find any water for them. They'll eat the grass and they'll have all of the dew that they need to survive. But if you get up late, right, and the dew is gone, then you have to hunt around and try to find 
because the day and the busyness and the heat of the day has already dried it off. Now, I'm not saying we have to get up early in the morning. But there's a contrast here between this person in Psalms that's rising up early to get more done. And what David did is that he got up early in the morning to seek the Lord. And he was filled with the goodness of God. He was filled with the refreshment of God. He's filled with the strength of God. That if we use a part of our day, if we get up in the morning and say, I'm going to spend time with the Lord. His mercies are new every morning. If we get up and we spend a little bit of time just receiving from God first, we may not have to go through the rest of our day feeling so worn out and dehydrated and stressed because we've already taken in from the goodness of God and who he is. And man, that's enough for, me for the, I have this. I've started it. And so we can actually live off and receive from him if we're willing to put in a little bit of time to rest and to be with him. When we go to bed at night, put our head down, so I'm not going to stress about that. I'm not going to freak out because this isn't going on. I just did what I can. The rest is yours. If you want it to work, it works. If you don't, it, it won't. But I'm leaving it in your hands. That's not always easy to do. A soul at rest, one trusts in the provision of God. Exodus 16, 26 talks about the manna. And God, the Israelites, they're out in the wilderness and he's feeding them with manna, which is bread that comes down like dew. And it comes down and God, when they're sleeping, they wake up and there's just this, this bread that's out. It doesn't say there was butter. There's no jam, just bread. There's little bits of manna out and you go gather and eat it. But he says, you know what? Now they're out in the desert, there's no food there. God's providing by a miracle. And he says, you know what? You can, you can gather for six days, but on the seventh day, you can't gather anything. On the seventh day, I'm not going to give you anything. But on the sixth day, I'll give you enough to make sure that you have food on the seventh. Why would he do that? Why not just let him get up every morning on this, the same way and, and go gather? He's stopping them after six days and saying on the seventh day, rest. He keeps repeating this theme all throughout the Bible. Stop and rest. Why? Because on this day, I'm going to provide for you. What does it do? It teaches us to trust him. That he's the provider. And I don't have to get up on that seventh day and do it. God's going to provide. You know, I don't have to make that one more call to try to fix this relationship. You know, I don't have to do that one more thing to try to make sure that, my, that, that I'm going to get that promotion. I don't have to do that one more thing to try to make sure. Because you know what? There's always a one more thing. I don't have to do that one more thing to make sure that my kid's going to turn out okay. You know what? Sometimes we do too many things, and that's why they don't turn out okay. I got my dad fired from a job. He's a landscaper, and there was two bushes, beautiful homes. My dad used to work at these, like, million-dollar homes, and we were very, we were, like, I, I literally grew up on the porch for part of my life, just on the porch. We had tarps around. I just lived on the porch. So we didn't have a lot of money, but we worked at these really amazing multi-million-dollar homes. And there's this one house, and he had these two nice bushes by the front door. And my dad decided to let me and my brother trim them. And we were young. And he's like, you know what? Because we were always wanting something to do besides just, you know, follow him around and rake leaves. So we wanted something important. He's like, okay, I'm going to let you guys trim these two bushes. I'm like, okay. So my brother was over there, and he trimmed fast. I trimmed slow and meticulously. I trimmed and trimmed and trimmed and trimmed. I got perfect ball. And then, you know, like when you trim a bush, like little pieces of the leaves fall on top of the bush? Well, you got to get those off. So I try to get them off and brush them off, and next thing I know, a little branch pops up. Not a ball anymore. So I trim it down. And then that side's a little lower than that side. So I trim that side down. A little bit of leaves, I start to pull them off, and guess what, a little branch. Clip that one off. Now it's a little lower. And I did this until there was just a stub and some sticks sticking out. I literally trimmed it down into just sticks. And my dad got fired. Literally got fired from the job. <laughs> I just wrecked their front door bushes. Which is why I don't landscape, Mom. I'm traumatized. PTSD from my childhood. Because I couldn't stop. I couldn't just say, you know what? I did a good job. I'm done. And then I could have told my dad, hey, I did a good job. Do you want to make sure that it's done? And he would have looked at it and said, we're good. Let me touch this part of that part where we're good. 
But because I did not want help, I needed to do it myself, I needed to show how big I was, I just kept on doing it, kept on doing it, kept on doing it. Sometimes we do that. Sometimes we do so much to make everything work out so well that we actually are the ones that are ruining it. Because we can't just stop and go to dad and just say, Lord, I need help. How do I be a better parent? How do I help my kids? How do I do this at my job? Or for kids, Lord, how do I, how do I be a better friend to the friends I know have needs? How do I do better in my school? How do I do better? We just go to him and say, Lord, it's yours now. We just give it. A soul at rest has peace in the protection of God. Mark 4, 38, this is where Jesus is asleep on the boat and the disciples come and they say, don't you know we're all gonna die? And Jesus is just asleep. We know that he got up and calmed the storm, which was amazing, but you know they could have just gone down and slept with him too? Then they all would have had a good night's sleep. Instead, they all arrived to the other side of the shore exhausted because nobody ever went to bed because they made him get up and go calm the storm with them. They could have just all went to bed and had a good night rest. That's what they went away for. They went away from the crowds to go out on the water to get some rest. And they missed their rest because they were too busy stressing out. And they could have followed him and went down and had some sleep. A soul at rest also finds rest in a relationship with God. Mark 6.31, Jesus goes to his disciples and he says to them, come and go away with me. And the Bible says that there was many people, there were so many people coming around coming and going and having needs that they couldn't even eat. So they were so busy, they couldn't even eat. What were they busy with? Important things. Jesus was there. He was healing the sick. He was raising the dead. He was turning water into wine. He was like multiplying fish. He was doing all these amazing, incredible things. And yet still in the middle of all that, and all the people gathered around saying, I need my miracle. I need my help. I need this. Jesus said, you know what? Stop. We're just going to go away and rest. So sometimes we think that what we're doing is so important that we can't break away. What I'm doing is such a big deal, I can't break away. Jesus broke away. And he was only going to be here doing ministry for three years. The creator of the whole universe came down, spent time here in a body, three years doing ministry, and in the middle of that, with all these crowds gathered around, a chance to minister to them and do what he came for, he stopped and says, you know what, hey, we're going to go take a break. What does that say about us? There's nothing that we're doing that's so important that we can't stop and go take a break. Go stop and spend a little time in rest. Rest to know God and rest to enjoy the things that he's given us, including each other, our kids, our life, without overworking. So this is the end here. Our brain is only 2% of our body weight. Did you know that? For some of us, it's less. For some of us, it's more. <laughs> it's only 2% of our body weight on average. It uses 20% of our energy, our brain. It doesn't even move. It just sits there. And it's just burning energy, just constantly. That's why, you ever have like a troubling thought on your mind and you're stressing about it all day and thinking about it and you just feel exhausted but you haven't really done anything? Do you know what? It's because you are exhausted. You literally burned up your energy. Your brain burned up all your energy. You're like, why am I so tired? I'm not even doing Your brain did it. Your brain literally took all of your energy and just worked it out. It's like an iPhone. If your iPhone's working too hard or your laptop's working too hard, right, and the energy goes down because you got too many apps open, too many things are going on, and you're like, why is my battery going down so fast? Well, how many apps do you have on? I don't know. There's only one. No, no, push the button and show where all the apps are on. Oh, wow, got like 500 on yeah, close those. Your battery will last longer. Sometimes we have so many things going on. And our energy is just going down. If you put your hand right on the part of your head and it's really hot, it's because you need to close some apps. Shut a few things down. Just trust God for a minute. Relax. Let him work on some stuff. If he's put a desire in your heart, you know what? He's at work to accomplish it as well. You're not doing it on your own. How many times does a believer say, oh, this great thing happened, but it wasn't me, it was all God? Anybody ever say that? You say, hey, nice job. Oh, it wasn't me, it was all God. Anybody ever hear that from somebody? Hey, it was all God. It was just a gift to God. No, I don't want to take any credit. It was all God. But yet when they were doing the work, they acted as if it was all them. 
Because they were so busy and it was so hard and I had to be so focused and so stressed and do so much to get this done and make it all right. Then you're like, hey, nice job. Oh, it wasn't me. It was all God. Well, it sure looked like it was all you. The way you were doing it. I mean, you were like full out just doing it. Like nobody could even talk to you. You're so busy and stressed out. If it's all God at the end, you know what? It's all God in the middle and it's all God at the beginning. He's the author and finisher of our face. He's the first and the last. The beginning and the ending, right? The alpha and omega. He's all the... We can actually live like he's actually doing it with us. And we can actually live in a place where great things are happening, and yet they're happening in a restful place where we're emotionally and mentally at rest, trusting God as we go. So my question to you is, what will you rest from and trust God with in 2022? I want you to think about it. Maybe spend some time praying on it, saying, God, what do you want me to, what do you want to take off of my plate? What job do you want? Like, what do you want me to let go of? Maybe there's some things that God just wants you to let go of and not pick up at all. Maybe there's some things that he just wants you to, like, let him help with. But what is it that God just would have you say, you know what, I'm going to rest in this and just trust you? in this relationship, in this ministry, in this idea, in this financial thing, in my health. Well, I can't do that because I got a health goal. Yes, but you've had the same health goal for 10 years. Maybe stopping and spending more time with the Lord, God would start to change something in your heart that would just cause you to then begin to change in your health as well. And all those things would come together. But what would God have you rest in so that he could do the other things and work them out? with his strength and with his power. Philippians 4.13 says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Let God be our strength. Let God help us to get through, amen? Father, thank you for your word. I pray, God, that you'll help us, Lord, to uh, do great things. Be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, subdue it, Lord. Do amazing things beyond our own ability. But Lord, help us to acknowledge that it is beyond our own ability. Lord, and to do it with you. Lord, help us to take time to rest, Lord, in who you are, to trust in who you are. Lord, to slow down enough, Lord, to make room for who you are in our lives. Lord, that 2022, God, would be a year where, yes, Lord, we do many things, many great things, but God, most of all, where we walk with our creator. Lord, in a more personal way, in a more intimate way, and Lord, in a more restful way, because we're leaning into your strength and not our own. In Jesus' name, amen. Take the next step and visit www.thebeatchurch.com and get connected with a community committed to applying these truths in their everyday lives. You can also give now to support our messages by visiting www.thebeatchurch.com give.